Boy, are you in for a treat today. Uh, I want to welcome again everybody, wherever you're at, on site, those out in the amphitheater, at the coffee shop, in the chapel, out in the lobby area, those who are watching online, our online campus, other campuses around the Bay, people from around the world who are tuning in today, thank you so much for joining with us here at Cathedral of Faith. God is good, and all the time, God's been especially good by sending one of his choice servants to us today. I am so blessed by their friendship and the amazing work that they are doing over in Italy, the way God has given them favor and influence. He's been described as the Billy Graham of Italy. And God is using him in amazing ways to touch and change that nation for good. Amen. And we're looking forward to doing more things together in the days ahead. Be praying with us because we're believing that who knows next year we may be able to team together to start Cathedral of Faith in Sicily. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. We're excited about the possibilities in the days ahead. And you, oh boy, I've heard this message twice and I can't wait to hear it again. So I hope that your heart is open and ready to receive. Would you give a great big welcome back to Gaetano? Thank you, thank you. Thank you, you might be seated. Thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. I lost my notes, so <clears throat> you got such an incredible team. I got just the three headings in here, you know? So they're really efficient, efficient. Well, listen, you guys, uh, uh, my time, there is so much that I'd like to share with you. There will be so many stories that I'd like to share with you. But I can't because uh, there is another service after this one. So they trapped me. They trapped me on the first service, you know? They trapped me on the second one. I guess I'll get my revenge on the last one. So you, let's pray for the ones that come into third service, you know, this morning. And uh, the title that I like to, to give to my message this morning is Experiencing God. And I know that you are here this morning. I know there are so many people that are here to, uh, to uh, honor God. This is uh, the day of the Lord. And uh, you're hearing wonderful music. You're hearing uh, the preaching of the gospel with an accent, which is always pretty good, you know. And, uh, and so, so this is kind of exciting. But I'm wondering, when you go back home, can you really say that you have experienced God? There are a lot of people that come to Italy. Pastor Rick, you know, was one of them, came to Italy, and I believe he, he said, I was in Rome, and I saw Rome. I saw the Colosseum, I saw Trevis Fountain, and so on and so forth. I said, wow, yeah, it was a short time. It was two and a half hours. The poor guy thinks that he saw Rome. I don't think so, Pastor Rick, you know. I mean, no way, no way. You, you need to experience something. As you can see from the last picture of uh, your pastor and his lovely wife, uh, Man, they really experienced that romantic evening in Rome. I mean, that picture was just great. We took them to a restaurant. We had a wonderful time together. So I'm wondering how many of us are really experiencing God. Uh, for example, I remember that many times they invited me to go to several places to meet important people. 
whether it would be actors, whether it would be uh, uh, movie stars. And by God's grace, we had all these kinds of opportunities. And sometimes I go and, uh, and I see this and, and, and I leave with uh, nothing in my hands. You know, I mean, just, you know, I met the guy, you know. I mean, it's like if someone will say, well, come to church. There is a multimillionaire guy that is coming from Italy. So you come here. You meet me, this multimillionaire. We're taking pictures. We exchange email addresses and so on. And then you go home. You didn't really experience me, right? But if I come over here and you're coming over here to see this millionaire who's got a bunch of envelopes with $100,000 in every envelope. And you're coming here and going home with that envelope with, with $100,000. Can you say that you really experienced me? Of course. Of course you did, man. You know, you're going home with money. So sometimes we say that we know God, but I'm wondering if you can really say that we have experienced God. What does it profit a man if he knows God and doesn't experience God? Tell me. Does it profit anything? Is this logical? And that's what the gospel of Jesus is all about. I mean, Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. Jesus came to say there is another way to live your life. There is another kingdom, the original kingdom that I want to reestablish on this earth. And I want you to have a part in it. So don't live in this kingdom with the rules of the old kingdom. There has got to be a revolution. That's why the natural man cannot understand the things of God. Those are spiritual things. You need to learn first the spiritual things. You need to be illuminated by God so that you can understand and that's why this morning I like to, in the brief few minutes that I have, to share with you three steps. There are many steps. But these three steps are foundational in order to experience God. One day of our life shouldn't go by without us saying, I have seen the Lord in my life. I have seen the Lord in my life. I have experienced the Lord. I know whom I have believed. I know this. One day shouldn't go by. Otherwise, it would be a mediocre Christian life. Why would you accept Jesus? Oh, yes. Jesus said it clearly. I came to give you life, coma, and life in abundance. Now, which part of the coma are you? Are you on this side, just life, or abundant life? We got to just get a hold of the abundant life through experiencing God. The first thing that I'd like to share with you this morning is this. In order to experience God, we need to increase our faith and we need to decrease our fear. As human beings, we are fearful beings, of course. I mean, this world is too big for us. The challenges of our life are so big. So it is natural for us to be fearful. But the Lord said it clearly that he didn't come to give us a spirit of fear. He came to give us a spirit of power and love. Einstein, at the end of his life, as he writes to his own uh, daughter, Elizabeth, he says to her, you know something? I'm so sorry that I didn't discover this before. But I want to share with you that love is the most powerful force in the world. Love cannot be controlled. Love cannot be manipulated. I mean, love is very, very, very strong. So that's what the world is saying. But that's what Jesus was saying. Saying, I'm giving to you my love. You need to love one another. You need to love the Father. You need to love your neighbor. Practically, we need to challenge and face the challenges of our life 
through increasing our faith and decreasing our fear. It's like we got two speakers, you know, and we need just turn on and turn off. You know, we, we cannot abolish or destroy completely fear, but we can turn it down. Are you fearful this morning? Are you fearful about your own relationship in the family or at work? Or are there some challenges that you need to face today? Are you fearful? Don't be fearful. Just to fill up, turn up the knob of faith. Sometimes we do this. And we live in the victory of the past. But it is a daily attitude that we need to have. Daily we need to experience God. And the only way that daily I can experience God is if I intentionally turn up the knob and the volume of faith. In the Old Testament we have this incredible example of prophet Elijah. He was an incredible guy. And probably he performed the, 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 the most incredible miracle that any prophet had ever, ever displayed and performed. He was able to call fire from heaven. He was able, he was able to show the king Ahab that our God was the real God. He was, he was, he was flying cloud number nine. And it was right there. And then after 24 hours, when Jezebel wanted to vindicate all the prophets, her prophets that were killed, he started escaping and he ran away into this cave. What made, according to you, what made this prophet change so drastically from being so strong and so bold to be so scared and fearful? What, what conditioned his life from a point where he was experiencing the power of God and only after 24 hours he's not experiencing anymore the power of God but the fear of man. I can see many times in my life when this happened. And I was asking myself, what happened to me? Well, I was not intentionally turning up faith and turning down fear. You see... He, he was, the day before, he was ready to sing, How Great Thou Art, bringing glory to God. And the day after, he was ready to sing, Kumbaya, Lord, Kumbaya. Let me die, Lord, let me die. I am a disgrace. Because you see, when we are, when we are worn by our fears, when we are worn by our failures, the first thing that we do, we lower our expectations. And that is human. If I cannot win, if I cannot experience God, that means that I'm not the spiritual. That means that I'm not really uh, the kind of Christian that I should be. And we live this schizophrenic life between worshiping God in the morning on Sunday morning and then living a life of defeat during the week. We lower our expectations. But if there is one thing that history has taught us, is that God... Who has given us an incredible ministry to each and every one of us. This God never lowers his expectations even when we fail him. That's why when the prodigal son, after screwing up his life and messing things up, wanted to come back home. He wanted to come back home with this kind of an attitude. Father, treat me like the least of your servants because I failed you. 
the father never lowered his expectations. And he says, my son is back. Let's throw an incredible party for him. Because he was dead and now he's alive. And I have a plan for his life that I will accomplish. Wow. You see, when you experience God, you're experiencing the rules of the kingdom of God. You experience the operating system of the kingdom of God. And the way things are orchestrated in the kingdom of God, it's a completely ball game of how things are orchestrated in our life. And that's why we come to church. We come to church so that we learn more and more how the kingdom of God works so that we can go outside and reflect all these changes, all these principles. And because of the law of attraction, we will attract people with the changes of our life. It is our changed and transformed life that touches the people around us. If people around us will know what God is all about, they will be just flocking into the church. The problem is that they have the wrong idea of God. But who gives them the wrong idea? Our theology. But most of all, our testimony. A failing testimony. So the first thing that we need to do this morning, if we want to experience God, we need to increase faith and decrease fear. That's right. Elijah, Elijah excuse me, after the experience of being in the cave... He did something incredible. The best had yet to come. In his ministry was so big that he developed another prophet. His name was Elisha. And he performed twice as many miracles as Elijah. In other words, we see the multiplication of the kingdom of God because of the fact that we're experiencing him through lowering down fear and lifting up faith in him. But there is a second Principle that I'd like to share with you in order to experience God. We need to stop feeding our pride and start worshiping God. You know, people say, you know, that pride is, uh, is uh, the, uh, the mother of all sins, you know. People say that pride is just, you know, the original sin and so on. And there is a lot of truth in it. But basically what pride is saying is, I can live my life and lead my life without any help. Or... I can live my life and I can be partially helped by my religious belief. See, that's pride. Worshiping is a completely different ballgame. People say, well, my, I thought that, that, that the opposite of pride should be humility. That's not right. Because you see, it's not right that you think of yourself uh, like you're no good. Because each one of us is precious in the eyes of God. Each one of us has one DNA that belongs to us. There are no two DNAs equal in the world, similar. Not at all. Okay? For instance, science is just, you know, coming up with all kinds of uh, discoveries. You know, they, they're catching everybody. Why? Because of the, of the uh, imprints or the, the digital, what do you call them? The, the fingerprints. That's right. Thank you, Sandra. You know, and let's applaud Sandra. Thank you for that, honey. <laughs> Of course, you know, she's my wife for 36 years, but she's American. She was born in Seattle. That's why she knows more than I do in English, you know. <laughs> Fingerprints, that's right. DNAs. No, God has got, God, God has got something incredible for our life, for us. So it's not right that we go around the world saying, hey, man, you're good. Well, uh, no, really, you know. And uh, 
No, no, I'm good. Well, you should be proud of the fact that you are accomplishing a lot of things. You know, you should be proud about your career. The wrong thing is when we are proud of our life. The wrong thing is when we take credit for, only credit for, all of our accomplishments. So, the real way to defeat pride, which always, uh, you know, hinders us from experiencing really God, is to worship Him. And when do we worship God? Man, we worship God when He blows our mind. Have you ever seen God, you know, blowing your mind? You know, you're praying or you're in a very uh, critical situation and then something happens and you say, oh my God, you know, this is great, you know. So you start worshiping God and everybody around you said, wow, you know, God is really alive. I can see it in the life of these people, right? So worship becomes important. But I'd like to give a little perspective on this. And the perspective is this. There is one verse that defines God in the Bible. A lot of times we say, well, can you define God? And people say, well, God is love. That's partial. God is mercy. That's partial. God is omniscient. That's partial. God is light. It's all this thing, but it's more than that. It's more than that. So how do we really define God? And in Romans chapter 11, verse 36, there is the explanation of God. But let me give a little background. This is one of the hardest uh, chapters in the Word of God. Because after speaking to the Romans and teaching them about grace, about the blood of Jesus, about the fact that we need a Savior, all at once he says that God has got a plan for his people. For the people of Israel, they are special. Now, are you telling me that God has got some special people? Yes, he's got some special people, his own people. He blinded them so that the gospel could come to the Gentiles. There's going to be a time when he will blind us so that the gospel can go to the Jewish people. And then all at once people are saying, now listen, Paul, what about our theology, the theology of grace, the theology that, that without with the spreading of blood there is no remissions of sin. And the apostle Paul says, well, listen, man, were you, were you with God when he created the world? Were you his consigliere? That's what he says, his counselor. Were you his counselor? God is God. How unsearchable are his ways. You guys, sometimes we're following a God and we do not experience this God because we have boxed him. We have boxed him. We think that we have figured out God. But God is God. And his ways are unsearchable. And I don't have to have an answer for what happens in my life. And when I start having that kind of an attitude, I experience the providence of God as never before. Are you willing this morning to embrace this God? Are you willing to, to, to declare with me the verse 36 of Romans 11? All things are from Him, through Him, unto Him, for His glory, for His glory. Experiencing God means this. If you are sick, it's because God is allowing that to, to happen in your life. If you're victorious, it's because God is allowing it. If you're having difficulties, it's all a, a part of a, a bigger plan. A bigger plan. But I don't understand. Well, you know, I know that you don't understand. I don't either. Because the ways of God are unsearchable. 
What does it mean unsearchable? I'm Italian. I don't know. What does it mean unsearchable? <laughs> you can't find out. There are many ways. There is much more. We just worship an infinite God. And this morning is giving you an answer to some of the questions, deep questions of your heart. And you're going to go home today saying, I not only know God, I experience God. I experience God. All things are from Him, through Him, through Him. I am what I am by the grace of God. Through Him, I can do all things through Jesus who strengthened me. Through Him. Jesus in, in you, the hope of glory. Everything has to be done through God. Experiencing God, it means worshiping Him for the revelation of His person in your life. Now, can you say that this is happening to you? Can you really say that it is no longer you that live, but Christ lives in you? Can we say that? Can I say that, it, you know, uh, in spite of all everything that I know, in spite of my experience, in spite of my intelligence, in spite of my IQ, I know that I am what I am by the grace of God. Because I experience His presence every moment of my life. The Apostle Paul was in the beautiful jail, the Mamertinum jail in Rome. And, and he wrote incredible letters to the Colossians, to the Philippians. And one of the letters will say, hey, you guys, rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. I said, Paul, how in the world can you say that? I've seen that stinky jail. I mean, it used to be a security jail 300 years, 256 years before Paul got there. How can that happen? Well, he was experiencing God in that jail. Yes, he was. Because you see, he had a commemorative memory. He was able to look back to his walk toward the road of Damascus. He was able to see and experience when God, through Jesus Christ, touched his life. And he could say, it doesn't matter where I am. Because just closing my eyes and, and re relieving again the conversion experience, it gives me a joy that the world doesn't understand. That's why the, that's why the psalmist David, King David, he says, Lord, restore in me the joy of my, of my what? Of my salvation. That's right. This is experiencing God. Everything is from Him, through Him, unto Him, for His glory. And when you say for His glory, you're worshiping God. And the more you're worshiping God, the more your pride just starves and starves until dies. Until dies. I remember when I saw in persecuted Russia, they brought this guy, you know, from, from Russia that was just, uh, you know, he was persecuted and so on. And when I, and I saw him, and this guy, I mean, he had, he, had, he had scars all over his body. He was an older guy, you know. And at the end I said, uh, brother, brother, how can I pray for you? And I'll never forget what he answered me. He says, pray that I might become more like Jesus. Ooh, ooh. Now, now we need to clap on that one. We need to clap on that one. I'm running out of time. So I go to number three. 
Principle number three, how we can experience God. And that is uh, realizing that the gospel is a kingdom and not a religion. I mean, in Italy, Rome, Rome is the center of everything. We have, uh, of course, we have the Catholic Church in Rome. And we have uh, the, the largest mosque outside of the Middle East is in Rome, believe it or not. It's just about this much uh, lower than the Vatican, you know. They wouldn't allow that to happen. So it's a little bit lower than the Vatican, you know. But they have this incredible mosque. We have the oldest Jewish ghetto in the world is in Rome. The Jewish people were in Rome 300 years before the Christians get, got to Rome. So Rome, Rome is, very, is very important. And when, I, and when I try to talk to people about religion, people from all other religions, you know what they do? They resist me. Okay? It's, it's like, you know, they build up all kinds of walls. Have you ex experienced this yourself, right? You know, it's like, you know, even, even people from one denomination or the other denomination, from one church and the other church. It's like, you know, when we talk about religious things, People, it's like uh, in Italy, they say, look, man, I was born uh, Ro uh, Roman, apostolic, Catholic, uh, and I will die Roman, apostolic, Catholic. You know, I mean, that, that's the way it is, right? Why? Because they think that the gospel is a religion. And they will not change religion. I mean, it's like trying to convince me that I'm not Italian. Can you imagine? As soon as I open my mouth, you know that I'm Italian, right? I mean, you know. No, I'm not Italian, you know, I'm American. No, no, it doesn't work that way, you know. So, so, but when I talk to other religious people, people from other culture, cultures, all the religions, and I start talking to them about uh, their self-esteem, I start talking to them about uh, the success uh, or the failures of their relationships. When I start talking about uh, family problems, when I start talking about how to find the purpose of your life, you know, these people are wide open to me because I'm not talking about religion. And Jesus never talked about religion. He talked about a kingdom. The kingdom of, the kingdom of God. And that is a kingdom that is different from the kingdom of this world. Now, this world may have all kinds of religions and philosophies. But all these religions and all these philosophies belong to the kingdom of darkness. That's what it is. They are bringing you nowhere. Because all these uh, philosophies and religions, there is jealousy, there is envy, there is violence. You name it. There is anything that, that it's not in the kingdom of God, it's in the kingdom of darkness. You see it. Super, you know, pride, the more the merrier, you know. But when Jesus came, he came to reestablish the kingdom, the lost kingdom of heaven. So we know that in the, at the beginning in Genesis, there is this wonderful kingdom that God has created. And you and I are just, uh, are just uh, we, we just, uh, I just say, I, we're tasting this kingdom. We're tasting this kingdom. But the day is going to come when we will be full of this kingdom. And this kingdom that was lost, there is an operating system that is different from the operating system of this world. And when you come to church claiming that you know God, but you lead your life according to the operating system of this world in which you and I belong to, 
we're messing things up. And the Spirit of God can no work. We are not experiencing God, you guys. We know God. We know what is done. We can recite Psalm 23 or John 3.16. But deep down in our life, we don't know what that means because we have not yet experienced it. And the only way to experience this is to recognize that Jesus Christ is the King. That Jesus Christ has come and He has already established His kingdom. In the Mount of Transfiguration, we have Elijah. You remember Elijah, you know? We talked about him before. You have Moses that wrote all the Pentateuch and all the rules and regulations, you know, how to live by. And then we have Jesus. And then, and then we have a smart Peter who says, all right, man, we're going to just, you know, make over here our headquarters. And all at once, Moses and Elijah are gone. The prophets, we don't need them anymore. The prophets were talking, hey, someone is going to come. Someone is going to come. We don't need him anymore. Why? Jesus is already there. We don't need the law anymore. We don't need the law anymore. Why? Because Jesus came to fulfill the law. Did you ever wonder why in the heck on the Mount of Transfiguration, the only one that stands high and strong is only Jesus Christ? Because he's the king. Wow, he's the king. And the voice in the background was shouting and saying, the kingdom of God has come. Wow, the kingdom of God has come. You can come and experience what it means forgiveness. You can come and experience what it means to find the purpose of your life. You can come and experience what it means to win according to the rules and principles of the kingdom. Less than a year ago, my wife on my birthday gave me this wonderful gift. I, I had told her that I drove everything in my life. Go-karts, uh, motorbikes, uh, cars, uh, sailboats, motorboats, you know. The only thing that I never really drove was a plane. So she surprised me. And she gave me for my birthday this two and a half hours with this instructor down in Rome. And of course, he's an Italian pilot. He was flying with Alitalia. So it's not like an American one that doesn't allow... I mean, that, that, that goes according to the rules. He just sat down over there and he told me, okay, that's what you need to do. I said, do I do it? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, you do it. <laughs> so I'm doing everything, you know, I'm going with my feet, you know, going, the little plane is going to the right and left, I stopped, you know. And then finally, we're just going to go take off. So we go, he says, okay, go 2,200 RPM, ready to go, leave the brakes, woo, and we're going. And then I say, oh, okay. When, the, when do I pull the rudder? When do I pull it up so that we can go up? He says, don't touch it. So what do you mean don't touch it? I mean, and we're going straight toward the freeway. He says, don't touch it. I said, listen, man, I got to get this thing up. You know, he said, don't touch it. Don't touch it. I said, what about the law of gravity? We're going to hit, you know, we're going to kill ourselves. He says, don't touch it. As soon as we go to 85 knots per hour, you see what's going to happen. You know what happened? 85 knots an hour, the plane automatically got up. Whoa. I says, what about the law, the law of gravity? And he said to me, what about the law of aerodynamics? There is a new law that doesn't cancel the first law, but overrules it. God cannot, it will not cancel 
fear, failure, broken relationships, war. He, he doesn't cancel them. But if you experience him, he overrules them. He overrules them. That is why I'm asking you this morning, don't be content in knowing God. I'm tired of reading books whose title is Knowing God, To Know God, you know, blah, 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 God, you know. I want to experience God. Anything less than this is mediocrity. And I thank God. That if there is one thing that is clear in the word of God, is that you need to be all hot or cold. You cannot be gray. You need this morning to be happy and content with nothing less but experiencing God. 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 Let's all stand up. Let's all stand up. And I, I am talking about... This is the third time I'm preaching this message. And last night and this morning, hopefully even now, there, are, there have been dozens and dozens of people that have said, ah, oh, the Holy Spirit has really talked to my heart. And uh, it's, been, it's been just a piercing my heart. And, and I really understand that it's not enough to know God. I need to take the step of faith to experience Him and in order to do that, I need to turn down the fear, the question marks, the diffidence, the lack of trust and confidence of my life. And I need to turn up all the way. Faith. Not just faith in a religion. Not just faith in an historical person. But faith in an operating system that makes sense. In an operating system, the original one that has the power not to cancel, but to overrule all the principles that have uh, been keeping this world under slavery and bondage. This morning, you need to be free. You're not going to be free by philosophy. You're not going to be free by a new uh, religion or a new, uh, uh, a new teaching. You need to be free by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. The first convicts the hearts and then transforms the minds. This morning, if the Holy Spirit has been touching and piercing your heart, if this morning, by the grace of God, your thoughts have been changed and updated. Know that our programmer, our God, has you here because the software right now is being updated. Right now as we speak, as we pray, as we are just one with Him. So that we can finally realize what He meant when He said, I have thoughts for you. I have plans for you. You need to live here with the experience to know that God is up to something great in your life. If there is anyone tonight 
or this morning I should say, that is willing to do that, is in need to do that, wants to experience God. May I ask you to lift up your, your hand or your arm, whatever you are. I want to pray for you. This is an incredible moment. Let's be open. Let's just open doors and windows, any, any place in our life, and allow the renewing of the teaching of the kingdom of God come and transform us. In the name of Jesus, receive right now the knowledge and the blessing to know that by God's grace we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And I pray that you will have the faith, the conviction, the discipline to intentionally apply the principles of the kingdom in your life so that not only your life will be changed but the life of the people around you will be changed. The greatest blessing that we can give to people is uh, multiplying and replicating what God has done in us in the life of many, many, many more. And I know there are people here that for the first time need to realize what it means to receive Jesus as the key of the kingdom. That for the first time they realize that He came, yes, to die on the cross and showing us what love, real love is all about. But He also came because He reestablished a kingdom in which you and I can be more than conquerors. In the name of the kingdom, in the name of the Lord, I submit myself in the service to our wonderful Pastor Kenny. God bless you, and God bless you. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise. We bless your name. Thank you, God. We worship you as King. Hallelujah. We bow our hearts before you today. Almighty God, oh, everybody just stay with me in this moment. Close your eyes one more time. If you'd say, hey, Pastor Ken, well, I'm making that decision today. I've heard about Jesus, but I've never become a follower of Jesus. Every journey starts with a step, and today I am stepping from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of of light and you're making that decision today I just want to agree with you that today is your day where you're becoming a follower of Jesus slip up your hand real high just want to agree with you wherever you're at God bless you 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 oh up in the balcony boy today's your day today's your day right over here today is your day the Bible says that when one person comes home to the Father, that all heaven rejoices in that moment. Can we join in with the celebration that's going on in heaven? Hallelujah! 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 Wow. And, and would you let Guy and Sandra know how much you appreciate that word and the song and 
bringing that to us in such a powerful way. Thank you. Amen.